St. Louis, this is your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. Did you know that there are 2.8 million people that live in the St. Louis metro area? There are many business leaders inside of that population. I started this podcast to give those leaders a voice. I was raised by one of those leaders. My father is a small business owner in Edwardsville, Illinois, and I grew up watching him run his business and meeting many small business owners just like him. I knew as a kid that the impact that these leaders have in our community is instrumental. I have developed a great passion for learning from these leaders. The STL Leaders Podcast's mission is to speak to these leaders and gain some insight into their vision for success and how they view leadership. Each episode is a view into their mindset, theory, and strategy of successful leadership. This podcast is brought to you by Cornerstone Employer Solutions, NWOIT Services, and Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. On today's episode, we have Jeff Winters. Jeff is the founder and CEO of Sapper Consulting. Sapper helps its 600 plus clients get more sales meetings. From his kitchen table, Jeff has led Sapper to be the 170th fastest growing private company in the United States, and he employs over 125 people. Jeff is also an expert on sales and sales engagement. He's been named one of the top 20 speakers you shouldn't miss the opportunity to see by Forbes. It's my honor to welcome Jeff Winters to the show. Jeff, thanks for joining us, bud. Brian, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, you know, I've known you for a little while now and uh, really love what you do with your company and, you know, just the insights you have. And so when I was, you know, you know, compiling a list of guests that I wanted to have on here on this show, you know, you were obviously on that list. And so I appreciate you taking some time today to be on the show. Well, I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Ready to, ready to chat. Absolutely. So for the listeners that may, may or may not be familiar with you, why don't you give us uh, you know, a high-level overview of really your role at, at, at Sapper and kind of the mission of your organization? Yeah, so I started the business about seven years ago, and you know, I'm the, the CEO, and, and really what we do with the company is uh, we help our clients get sales meetings. Um, we, do it in, we do one thing three ways. So we help them get sales meetings. That's one thing. Uh, and in terms of how we do it, number one, we we do it for them. So you can come to us and say, hey, we need some sales meetings and we want your people and your infrastructure and your technology to do it. We put sales meetings on your calendar. The second way is we do it with you. So you've got the infrastructure and the people. You just want the know-how and the best practice. And so we help you do it, uh, sort of a consulting style arrangement. And last, we're really excited about is the do-it-yourself. So we're launching uh, Reggie by Sapper Consulting. Reggie is... Uh, a tool where you can log in and literally, Brian, you can enter who you want to have a sales meeting with and it'll write your campaigns for you in under three minutes, give you all the touch types and all the language that you need to launch a successful sales campaign. It does automatically. So, so that's the business. That's exciting. So, so you said you've been doing this for seven years. Tell me about what, what, what brought you to start the organization and kind of how that jet transition, you know, kind of happened. Yeah. So, I was uh, I was I was brought in to be like the head of sales at a, at a startup here in town and love the company and but when I got there um, it was my job to get meetings with and sell this software to chief human resources officers at pretty much exclusively Fortune 500 companies right so CEO said look the software is hasn't exactly been sold to anybody but it's great it's amazing I took a look at it it was awesome it's like go ahead and sell this to Chief Human Resources Officers at you know Netflix and Google go, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like, you know day two, 
And so I'm, I'm fumbling around. I can't get a meeting. You know, I can't get anybody's assistant on the phone to talk to me. And so finally, I'm, I'm thinking about whether I'm going to quit or keep going. And so I decide as like a last ditch effort, I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night, literally like two, three in the morning and write funny emails to these decision makers. This was, you know, eight or nine years ago, pre-automation. Code. And so I do it and I, and I get 170 meetings in one year. It's crazy. So I'm flying around to all these you know, literally Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan and AT&T, you name it. And I'm going to these meetings and they're going, Jeff, you know, we're really excited to see the software. Um, but one quick question before we start, like how in the world did you get this meeting? <laughs> like, <laughs> no offense, we got your email. We know it's funny. Like, how'd you get this meeting? And so the conversations got derailed to some extent and I thought I might've been onto something. So, you know, we sold some software and it was a great business, but I thought to myself, you know, look, if I could get meetings for myself with these super high-level decision makers, these Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 level companies, I could probably get meetings for anybody with anybody. And yeah. I quit. That was the idea. We were going to help people get meetings just like I was. You know, we we're going to solve the problem that I had and that I had created to solve for. So that's how the business was born. That's a pretty awesome story. I think, you know, I, obviously myself being in sales for, well, my whole career, uh, setting the meeting is the hardest part, uh, at least in my eyes it is. Um, you know, once I'm in the door, I, I can build a relationship pretty quickly with somebody and, and find out whether they're a good fit for my product or my solution. But getting that meeting is, is definitely the hardest part. So you know, kudos to you for, for starting your, your business and, you know, and taking it to where it's at today. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would argue the fact that it's definitely a successful business and one of the staple businesses we have here in our St. Louis community. So uh, kudos to you. Hats off to you on that. Let me ask you this. When you think of your leadership style, what would you say is your leadership style and how do you lead as the CEO of Sapper Consulting? Yeah, and this built, this will uh, funnel right into the question, but you, know, you, you give me a lot of credit in the, the couple sentences you said before, like this is all about our team. You know, we've got an incredible team and you know, fortunate to be a part of it. And, and that really launches into, you know, when I would consider my leadership style, and first, Brian, let me say, this is aspirational. Like this is who I hope to be. Yeah, uh, hopefully somewhat of who I am, <laughs> but I would say it breaks into, into two buckets. The first is the servant leadership. So the idea that you know I'm going to support the people that work for me by by one providing a clear vision, uh, and so I can stay out of their way. Two, removing obstacles. If they've got problems, what can I do? What sort of resources can resources can I add to help them remove obstacles that are impeding them from achieving their goals? And then last, I think this is super super important is providing ample opportunities for self-development. So if I'm doing those things and I'm waking up every morning saying, how can I serve my team? How can I remove obstacles from my team? Uh, that's what I'm aspiring to be right. as a leader. And then, and then I layer on top of that, this idea of, and I don't know if this is leadership style, philosophy, or what have you, of creating this idea of meritocracy, uh, a place where everyone's radically open with their ideas, where disagreement flows freely, but also is, uh, respectful and, and kind and everybody knows come from the right place and where we're truly going to surface the best ideas and where the best idea wins. So I'd say it's a combination of servant, servant leadership overlaid with this philosophy of creating an idea of meritocracy. Well, it sounds like to me you you really, I mean, you, you hit it a couple times in that statement there is obviously your team is, is vital to the success of your organization. And so you try to empower that team uh, give them the resources, the tools that they need to succeed, and then you know make sure you have the right people on the bus type of a situation, and, and then and it goes from there, right? And so, um, you know, let's let's stay on that topic for just a little bit. Obviously, I feel like you you believe that your people are your biggest asset. Would you agree with that? Oh, without question. 
So when you so when you think about it as as I mean you have 125 plus employees right now how how from a leadership standpoint do you make do you get every employee to feel like they're an in, you know important piece of that puzzle how do you how do you motivate them Yeah so a couple of thoughts there first you know I, I don't think I don't think of the company as a group of employees that work for me like this is a we thing like everybody is an owner in the business and I'm always correcting people if they ever slip and say you know you are going to do X or you've achieved Y. No, 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 we, we have achieved, we are making the decision. Uh, everybody at the company is, you know, should feel like they own the company because we're all in it together. So, so that's number one is it, it's not about me. It's about we, and I'll correct people if they say differently in terms of, in terms of motivation, I really like the, the Daniel Pink framework of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So, uh, that to me is how you motivate people in creative jobs. You get out of the way and you're not micromanaging. Uh, from a mastery perspective, they're getting better every day at what they're doing, making progress. And then last is purpose. So purpose to me is, is capital P purpose and lowercase p purpose. Capital P purpose is the grand idea that's motivating people. You know, at Sapper, from a purpose standpoint, we help get meetings for our clients. And then our clients take those meetings and often will close deals. Right. which is amazing. So we're creating this economic impact. They're hiring new people. They're potentially, you know, in times like this, not laying people off as a result of closing. Like that's a big purpose for us. And that's what we talk about and, and celebrate. But the other purpose is often overlooked, I think. And it's, it's the, it's the lowercase P purpose. It's the why behind uh, my workflow. It's the why behind change. It's the why behind um, vacation policy. It's like, it's all the little whys behind all the things that go on in the business. And so that's, that's the little framework for motivation. I'll tell you a quick story like that. The key here is that people are not motivated a third by autonomy, a third by mastery, a third by purpose. Like every individual is different within those buckets. Yeah. And so you got to motivate, you got to motivate different people differently. And I'll, I'll give you a quick story about my own sort of journey into leadership and how this manifested for me. So when I was, uh, my first, my first foray into leadership, I guess I was about 10 years ago. And I was working at this medical device company and I was hired on the same day as this guy named Lonnie. Okay, Brian. So we're hired on the same day and I thought we were hired for the same job, which is kind of this entry level ish sales job. And we're making cold calls on day one, back to back. And I went first and I made a call and got nowhere. And he, he turns to me and goes, that was smooth. And I thought he was being genuine. And I later came to find out that he was, he was not, he was poking fun of me. <laughs> and so then I listened, to, I listened to his call and it was unbelievable. It was like Hall of Fame level. And so at that point and after a few questions, I realized this guy was hired for a job that was like seven levels above me. <laughs> and, and so I just pestered him with questions, like forever. Years I pestered this guy with questions to get better, to get better, to get better. And so when he you know, ultimately got into a people management role, he took me with him. He gave me a chance. And that was my foray into to leadership. And, you know, I was all about mastery at that time. Yeah. All about mastery, like mastery of the call. And, and he, through, the, through his motivation of me, tapped into that. Like he knew that's what I wanted. That's what motivated me. So every day it was doing these role plays and showing me how I could get better and giving me measuring sticks of other leaders in his life and salespeople in his life that were great. And so, you know, I guess the point is that with autonomy, mastery, and purpose, it's a great framework, but everybody needs them in different proportions. You've got to figure out on an individual basis what works for who. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, another point out of that segment right there is, you know, ask questions, be a student of leadership. You can't 
You can't just wake up one day and be a leader. You can't just wake up one day and, and, and be a CEO of an organization. You've got to be a student of the game and you've got to continue to educate yourself on whether it is you know, what your why is or what leadership looks like for you or what your vision is for success. And you got to be a student of that. And I think, you know, a good point out of that uh, segment from you is, you know, you ask a lot of questions, right? You, you continue to educate yourself on how to get better at your job and your role. And I think we all as, as individuals need to continue to, you know, educate ourselves on how to be better at whatever position we have, whether we're in a leadership position today or we're aspiring to get into a leadership position, you got to continue to educate yourself and make yourself better um, at whatever position you're, you're sitting in today. So, you know, I think that's very important. It brings me to, you know, a question that I always actually really enjoy asking this is, you know, when you think of a mistake that leaders can make, what, what do you view as the biggest mistake leaders can make with inside of an organization? So I'll give you, I'll give you two. Um, mistake number one is not creating a true culture of candor. Or maybe said differently, thinking you have a culture of candor and you really don't. So if you are not creating a culture where constructive feedback can flow freely up the organization without fear of penalty or blowback, uh, to me, if, you, if you're not creating that culture of candor, you, you're making a big mistake. Yeah. Because um, you're not going to get better as a team. You're not going to get better as an individual. You're going to have uh, you're going to have unrest amongst people faster. You're not going to get best ideas. So that's number one. And, and then number two is not hiring individuals that are better and smarter than you. And I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts, Brian. By the way, I think they're great. And Almost everybody says this. Like you got to hire people that are smarter than you, that are better than you. You know what people don't say? That's hard. Like, yeah, it's hard. Like that because you don't know how to lead these people. Like, I hired a guy named Matt Millen, and this is recent. And when I was hiring him, I was talking to one of my friends. I was all excited, and my friend goes, uh, "Hey, do you feel intimidated at all, knowing that?" Of Matt Millen's last four bosses, one of them's name was Manny Medina, who's the CEO of a multi-billion-dollar valuation startup, who's like you know got like over 100% Glassdoor ratings, this amazing leader. And then before that, his boss was Tony Robbins, widely believed to be one of the greatest leaders in human history. So yep. My buddy goes, did you, did you feel like intimidated or anything about that? I was like, not until you said it. <laughs> but now I do. Like, yeah. Now what am I going to teach this guy? And it all comes back to servant leadership. Like, I'm not going to teach. This guy's forgotten more about leadership than, I, than I'll ever remember. Right. But my job is not to teach him how to be a leader. And, and I think about the recent ads to our team, him, and we've got a CTO who's literally just a genius and a PhD. And we've got a, a recent ad of a CFO who's just unbelievable with numbers and uh, ran evaluation practice and uh, audit practice. I mean, these are people Brian, who are a million miles smarter in their domains and probably in general than I'll ever be. And I couldn't teach them anything about their domains. But you know what I can do? I can, I can be humble. I can stay a student. I can get obstacles out of their way. And I can give them uh, opportunities to self-develop. So, so those are two mistakes, is not having a, a, a culture of candor and also not hiring great talent that's better and smarter than you. No, I think, I think you're, that, that is awesome that you have you recognize that. I think uh, it's awesome as... A leader to surround yourself with people who are experts in their field and and put them pe those people on your team. That's only going to make you know your organization and you as a leader better. 
Um, and I think culture, from a culture standpoint, I 100% agree with you. I think culture can make or break an organization. If you have employees who don't know the purpose, uh, as you mentioned, the capital P to the lower P, if you don't have employees who know the purpose and have employees who believe in, in the organization and, and like to come to work every day, it's really hard to motivate those employees and, and to drive the profit and loss statement, right? It's, it, can be a, it can be a challenge. And I think culture is, is vital to every organization, small or big. And I think as, as organizations get bigger, it's very hard to keep your pulse on that culture. It's very hard to, to take that culture and, and, and keep it as a, the same as it was you know, when you had 10 or 15 employees. And it's okay to transform the culture, but, it, but it's also important to make sure you realize who you are and what the mission of the organization is. And I think those are, those are great points uh, coming from, from you. And so you know, one thing I, I, I think back to you know, as I hear you speak is you know, where you really started your career. What is one thing you wish you would have known when you started your career? Um, yeah, I think I, as I reflect back, it's like to me, it's about risk. Yeah. And and it's that most risks aren't very risky in hindsight; they're only risky in the moment. Yeah. So the example is, you know, I often get asked the question you know, around starting a business or should I start a business? And when you started the business, how did you how did you think about the risk? And I just, I didn't really, honestly. Like it just didn't, the risk part of it never entered my equation. And you know, when I break down with these people, they go, it's a big risk for me. I go, is it really? Like, what happens? Like, what's the risk here? Right. When you get into the true risk, you start to realize that most of the risk is reputational for people and it's tied up in their ego. Um, certainly there's like others where that's not the case and it's financial and that's a whole different story. But, but often when I'm talking to people, it, it comes down to ego. Yeah. Like financially, they'll be fine. Family will be fine. It's about ego. And and to me, I'm, as I think back, like I, wish, I wish I would have taken more risks. And I think when you talk to leaders, if you ask them to a person, they'll all say they wish they would have taken, on balance, more risks than less. Yeah. And those are people who have taken risks. Sure. And so I wish somebody would have, somebody would have told me that sooner. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... I think it's valuable for all the listeners that are listening to that to realize that you got to look at the risk and reward. But I'm a firm believer that the risk usually, out, you know, is, is always usually worth it. Um, and if you put your mind to anything, I think it's very important. If you take that risk and you put your mind to it, failure is not really an option. You don't let failure sneak into your head. And um, and I think a mindset is a is a big piece of that. Um, let me ask you this: when when you when you continue to be a student of leadership, are, are there any books that you've read or podcasts you've listened to or or leaders that you have followed who have inspired you that you know have, have you know been beneficial for you as you've grown Sapper Consulting? Yep. So I think yeah, it's a really important question. So I think one of my like principles of leadership that to me is so important and that I try to drive through the organization is the principle of being a competitive learner. Like it's not enough to learn. It's not enough to want to learn. Like you've got to be competitive at it. You got to want to. You got to want to get so deep and learn so much that self-development is an inevitability, and you're going to have a rapid loop of, of getting better. Yeah. And so uh, that under that guise, uh, there's sort of look at the the books that influence me in business, and under two buckets. So the first is business books, and the second is philosophy. So I love business books that are encyclopedic that are principle 1A, 2C. Like I want to know very detailed way what the great leaders before me or, or great leaders now are doing and have done. So there's two books to me that stick out. One is Principles by Ray Dalio, and two is The Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben, 
The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Uh, to me, those are just amazing guides, hyper-tactical. And, and then the other bucket is the philosophy, because to me, leadership is, of course, knowing you know, what to do, and, and then also having like the right mindset in terms of how you're going to do it, how you deal with emotional issues that come up, how you, how you deal with other issues that come up. And I love, I love the Ryan Holiday books around stoicism. Uh, to me, I think they're, they're very centering to me. I've just recently read them and I've really found them quite useful. So those are my, those are my recommendations. No, I appreciate that. I think, you know, the theme of, of a lot of these podcasts I do is you got to be continue to be a student of leadership and you have to be a student, uh, and educate yourself on uh on leadership and, and in being in a leadership role and i think the best way to do that is listen to podcasts like this listen to other various podcasts here in st louis uh from other local leaders here in, this, in the community and then read books on it right and i think it's always important that I, I we i pull out of my guests some of those books or some of those podcasts that they listen to or that they read uh so that we as you know as as listeners uh, can benefit from that and, and educate ourselves on those on those aspects I always end this podcast with those, the same question at the end. I always want to know, you know, for the people who are listening to this show, if you give somebody one piece of advice on leadership, what would it be? Um, invest in a coach. That would be my piece of advice, is invest in a coach. Um, speaking of St. Louis leaders, I, I use a guy in St. Louis named Matt Wyatt, the Chapman Co. Leadership Institute. He's a... Uh, Somebody you should talk to for sure. It's fun on a Barry Way Miller, connected to Barry Way Miller. Um, he's a guy that I use. He, investing in a coach can seem like a squishy upfront expense or a squishy expense in general. It's not. Uh, it's probably no better investment that I've made than investing in a coach. And when you think about it, as the story about Bill Campbell, the, the sort of the Silicon Valley legend. Um, and there was a book based on him called Trillion Dollar Coach. And you learn in this book that he was the coach to like Jeff Bezos and the entire Google team and Sheryl Sandberg. Like all of these great leaders that we look up to had coaches or, or by and large have had coaches. And so to me, that's the, that's the piece of advice I would give is, is to get a coach. And I guarantee you, you'll be, uh, you'll be thrilled you did. Well, Jeff, I appreciate that piece of advice. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. I know for me, Jeff, I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time today to be on the show. Uh, I think it was very valuable for, for not only myself, but I, hopefully for our, our listeners out there. You know, again, I just give you hats off to you for what you're doing with your organization. You know, I appreciate everything you've done for our community here in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, I really do appreciate the time today. So thank you. All right. Thanks so much. It was great. Thank you.